opened up my E-Trade account to start trading options, but I haven't gotten approved yet. Cancel that account. Get a better broker. Big, big thanks to FreshBooks, the super easy to use cloud accounting software. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 64 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm here, Sam Marks. Johnny, hey guys, welcome back and another new week, another new episode, and another new topic, Johnny. Yeah, I did not think I would be diving like deep into options at any time ever in my life. I think I've always heard the terms, but I always assumed it was something that people did on Wall Street and it wasn't really something that a sit-at-home investor would ever look into. Yeah, derivatives, options, all these new terms, things that we always thought were too complex. And I don't think I ever would have been interested in it until we had on MJ DeMarco who turned us on to a few new things, actually. And one of the things that he said he was doing now that he's super wealthy, more or less retired, but you know has a nice lifestyle, still active, is that he was trading options. Specifically, he was selling options. I believe he was selling puts. Uh, so that got us super interested in, and we looked for the very best person we could find in the option space, and that was the head trader and founder of Option Alpha, yeah, so if you guys haven't heard that episode, it was episode 57 with MJD Marco. And I was also surprised when, when you asked him what he's investing in nowadays and he mentioned options. So I'm excited to learn more and kind of really just dive in deep on what option training is and also how you can use it to create yourself a, a stream of income because I, I think that sounds really exciting to me. Yeah, so the way MJ DeMarco said he was doing it was he was essentially selling insurance and it's I've talked to a few people about this, and we're definitely going to get it into the episode with Kirk. But we're going to talk about specific strategies. We're also going to talk about ways that you can go full time in trading options. And there's a lot of people that are doing it. Kirk Duplessis is one of the best guys in the business. He's been doing it. He's a super smart guy, Ivy League school, been on Wall Street, done, done all types of things in finance. So you're definitely going to want to hear what he has to say. And he's making a killing trading options full time. Well, let's do it. Here's Kurt. Hey, bosses. If you are self-employed like we are, and especially if you hate dealing with numbers, invoices, and reminders, you need to check out FreshBooks. They made my life so much easier by letting me set up reoccurring expenses and invoices that I can set up once and just forget about. You can set up automated late payment reminders as well. So next time somebody who owes you money doesn't pay, they automatically get a message so you don't have to chase them down or, worst off, forget to get paid. Seriously, if you're a small business owner or a freelancer, check out the service. It's super easy to use and it's free for the first month. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Everyone, welcome back. We have Kurt here on who's the founder and head trader at Option Alpha. Kurt, thanks so much, man, for joining us. So early your time, I feel bad. No, no, I'm good. This is I like this. The early shows this is the best. Okay, right, man. Well, for all the listeners, it's 6 a.m. Eastern time, and that's where Kirk is, and I am in Asia, so it's 
5 p.m. my time. Actually, when you suggested the times, I'm like, are you sure? Like, is that a late <laughs> night or an early morning for you? But no, it's, it's actually kind of late. Like, I've already had two cups of coffee, so I feel good. You know, I feel really, you know, like when you got two girls, you got to get up early. Yeah, it's just how you got to do it, I suppose. Make, make, uh, your little bliss moment in the morning. And do you get any at night or is it, uh, is night? exhausting for no. you <laughs> night is like done yeah <laughs> after two girls all day and everything else uh, yeah like nine o'clock i'm out cool man something i uh hope to experience pretty soon but no immediate plans and <laughs> man a lot of a lot of our listeners already know who you are you've been a very highly recommended guest to come on the show so super pumped to get you on and maybe just give us a, a quick brief about you for the listeners who haven't heard of you or option alpha yeah. So, um, well, hi, my name's Kirk. Um, and, uh, uh, so, so I got started, um, out of school. I went to a top school in the U S and got a finance degree, did what everyone else, you know, did at the time. I mean, all my friends in school were going to New York and working on wall street. I had no clue what I wanted to do, honestly, looking back on it. And so I said, well, sure, I'll do that too. And so I went to New York. I worked for Deutsche Bank. I was a mergers and acquisitions analyst and I got a rotation on a trading desk. So that's where I got like that side of the business, I guess, or at least a little glimpse of how that side works. Shortly after that, decided I did not want to work 90 hour weeks and, you know, wanted to oh. see sunlight and the, you know, the trees and weather. And, uh, moved to DC and worked as a REIT analyst for BBT Capital Markets covering REITs. So I got to see that side of the business. So I jumped over the Chinese wall and saw that yeah. side. <laughs> Again, realized I didn't want to do any of that stuff. And most of that stuff is pretty much garbage anyway. Um, and during this whole time, I've been, you know, learning how to trade by myself and, you know, making mistakes and stuff like that. So after BBT, I decided to um, go at it alone. And by that time, I had been engaged with my wife and she was supportive enough in, you know, in her endeavors as a teacher and, you know, in school and stuff to be able to support me, you know, doing that and like, you know, financially and, and mentally support me doing that. So that's when I started trading. And right about the same time, I started um, Option Alpha basically at that time. And it was just like a, a side blog really just to like, you know, talk about what I was doing and, you know, keep track of my own thoughts and, you know, commentary on the market. And it's just, you know, kind of grown from there. I mean, it's been always been a word of mouth, you know, slow grow, you know, and I always say like people always say like in the shadows, like you seemingly come out of nowhere, but, you know, we've never really promoted it. We don't do advertising. We don't sell advertising on the website. It's just been a, a very organic thing that we've had. So now it's been almost 10 years that we've been doing that. So cool, man. And when you say trading, do you mean specifically options or all types of trading? Yeah. So, so I got my start, like, you know, getting a finance degree, you, you do all the traditional valuation stuff. I mean, I was in the valuation space, right? So I thought that I knew, you know, like all these hard valuations of companies and I could run these, you know, analyses and use my Excel spreadsheets like a wizard. And then you get into trading and you realize either A, you don't have enough capital to really make it work or your long-term horizons so long-term that, you know, you just don't have enough time to see if that's going to play out or pan out. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled into options because I got a, a taste of options you know, on a trading desk and that's what we would do. We'd, we'd trade options on the trading desk in New York. And so I understood, you know, that side of the business from the um, institutional side, but not from the retail side. So. I tried everything. I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I was the guinea pig for myself. Uh, you know, I tried day trading. I tried swing trading. I tried, you know, penny stocks for a little bit, tried Forex and, you know, lost sleep doing that. Like I tried everything and I really, really found that options for me and like my personality fit really well because it's more of a math based thing. It's, um, you know, more of a probability based thing. It's a, you know, building a system and a business versus I think a lot of the other stuff, not that people can't be successful doing it. I'm, I'm sure that they can. I'm not mm -hmm. like knocking on anyone, but it's really hard. I mean, you 
got to have like a lot of stars lined up to be successful at, you know, some of the other stuff. It's so funny. So I'm in Asia right now and I just met up with my buddy who knew more about options than anyone in my close network. So I'm like, Hey, you know, let's meet up. I need to get a little bit of base understanding for this stuff. So we're going over some kind of elementary option stuff. And he's like, you know, you got to be really careful with this stuff because they always say, you know, we're sitting here trading options, but who's on the other side? It's like MIT and all these like super, super smart calculus uh, graduates. And that's you. You're on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's it, it's more logical based than people think. And I think that's, you know, people got to get over the terminology when they first get into it. But once you get over the terminology, I mean, it's it's very much like many businesses are run like casinos and insurance companies. It, it's the same like underlying fundamentals. So if you can understand the math and it's not, you know, calculus or, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, it's just pretty simple math and statistics, probability, you know, expected theory, all that stuff. You can understand that. I think you do. OK, good stuff. I mean, that's been my biggest hurdle just diving into this for about a week before this episode was just the terminology. I'm like, my brain is just over-processing and not able to cram it all in like you can for a college test or something. Like I just couldn't absorb it all. So I'm, I'm slowly getting there. But I think that is a big hurdle when people start hearing all these different terms immediately. They're just like, wow, that's too much for me. Yeah. But as soon as you have that basic terminology, then it becomes much more logical, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's like anything, right? So mm -hmm. totally different language. Once you understand the language, everything else falls in place. All right. And how much of your time right now is actually trading for your own sake and running option alpha and all the the material that you guys have yeah i you know i always tell people i selfishly run option alpha to keep myself in check mm -hmm. and i honestly do like i've got you know like when i started running option alpha it was it was more of a journal for me so i blog and you know like way back when i mean the blog the blogs air figures quotes were like sometimes 10 you know 10 sentences sometimes two sentences right and um but it was just a way for me to keep myself in check and you know to have some sort of accountability and now i've got you know, almost 60,000 people keeping me in check. Right. Yeah. So that's why I do it. And, you know, on this, you know, like still today, but I've never really, uh, spent a lot of time trading. Like, and, and I don't think you should, I mean, in the way that I think, you know, about the markets, I think you should have a, you know, system in place, whatever works for you, you know, have a framework that you follow and, you know, get into the market, you know, do what you need to do and then get out. Like, don't like, I used to spend time like, watching the you know the news all day and when i was trying to day trade in the early days like you know watching every chart i mean that's tiring like i've got two mm -hmm. baby girls now and you know like i watch them full time at home so i don't have the time to do that anymore so you know most of my trading is you know maybe 30 minutes in the morning 30 minutes sometime in the afternoon between naps and you know the park or pool or whatever we're doing that day um, and that's really it. So I, I don't spend that much time trading on the option alpha side. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time on like courses and content because I like doing that stuff. And, you know, I'm always trying to improve it. You know, new research that we do from you know, our back testing and our development team, you know, we try to just redo stuff. And so, you know, sometimes that means that, you know, what was applicable, you know, 12 months ago may have a tweak now. And so we yeah. go in and update, but we've got a pretty good team in place, you know, that we've built in. And so it's, it's not too much time on my end anymore, which is good. So most of it's pretty automated. It's refreshing to hear what you said about time commitments and trading, because I think we grow up, of course, privy to, or close by wall street, or we all, all have friends that went and walked, worked on wall street. It's like your story. They're working nine hours a week and just burn out looking at, at uh, prices all day. But it's cool to hear like, you know, you can win and you can be competitive and you can do this full time and re literally be only putting in an hour and a half a day or less. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's totally realistic. I think you have to build it from the start. You know, it's so like I tell a lot of people who get started in this, you know, you know, people email me and they'll say, Kirk, man, I've been, you know, I've been really, you know, trading really hard, you know, I've been doing like three hours a day. I'm like three hours a day, you're killing yourself, you know, like, <laughs> you need to learn how to do it well, in you know, 30 minutes or an hour and then and really take a step back. So, you know, I think the reality, though, is like, 30 minutes as a retail trader, right? I mean, I'm not talking about the institutional side, but as a retail trader, like we just have to be, you know, religious and consistent, you know, and that, that's how we end up doing pretty well is, is, you know, we, we try not to think we're too smart. We try not to pick direction too much. Just be religious and consistent with your strategy. And, and that more so than anything else plays out, right? It's just like working out or eating healthy. I mean, it's like the best analogy is fitness. Like we all know what to do. We just actually have to do it. You got to go to the gym. You got to eat right every day, right? That's the hardest part about doing it. That's all, man. I, I can't wait to dive into this stuff. I have literally so many questions, but maybe we can start just thinking a little bit on the risk side. And we've done an episode on Forex before, and I, I just read a stat that said 95% of people who try to trade Forex lose money. I don't know how close that is to being accurate, but would you say right. that trading options is easier or harder in comparison to Forex? I think it's harder on the outside. I think it's harder on the outside because Forex is so simple, right? I mean, like as it's like basis basis of actually making a trade, people understand stocks and Forex because it's a one-way directional move, whereas options is cubic, right? You have time, you have volatility that's factored in. So it's not just a simple, you know, equation of the stock or the, you know, currency pair goes up or down and then I make money. So that I think on the outside it seems more complicated. But the reality is, is that it's it's a much a higher probability of success if you can build it that way, right? I mean, options is something where, I mean, not to use like the 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 classic pun, but you have choices. You you can choose your type of strategy. You can choose the direction, you know, that you think the market's going to go or not. You can choose your probability of success that you want to have on a trade. And so all of that stuff is kind of baked in, and you have this balancing act that you know you have to make decisions based on your own risk profile and you know, how much you want to trade and, and how much you're willing to lose or gain or whatever the case is. And I think that creating more choices seemingly makes it more complicated, you know, until you you dive into it a little bit more. On the stat, I mean, I've heard the same thing on stock trading and on options trading, you know, 90% of people lose. I think it's more than 90% of people quit, you know, mm -hmm. really, honestly. And, and so if you throw those people in the category of of lose, then yeah, sure, maybe maybe more than that, you know, start and you know, quit within five months or six months. But from what I've seen, if people really, you know, stick with it, and again, like I hate to use like the fitness analogy, but it's the best analogy for this. It's like we all know what to do. Like I can teach you how to go to the gym and work out and eat healthy, just like I can teach you how to trade options and what you should do in, you know, certain situations and how you should, you know, use position sizing to your advantage. I could teach you all that stuff. But ultimately you have to do it day in, day out, like month in, month out. And it's it's a grind. I mean, you gotta do this for, you know, five years, ten years if you really, really want to make a go with this. It's not a six month thing. And I think too many people jump into it assuming it's a six month thing and not that they're really trying to open a business, which is how you should think about it. Gotcha. So there's all different types of terminology when we're talking about options. So we we can't get into all of them, but is there a clear is there clearly a most common type of option that is traded? every single day in terms of volume? I mean, options are traded and then we don't know like what the, the distribution of, of spreads are really, right? Because in options, you can trade one contract and buy, you know, sell one and buy another, right? And you can do that in multiple legs. So you could be in the same position and have four or five different strike prices and legs, some uh, long, some short, 
So we don't always know exactly what combination people are doing, but obviously most of the time they're trading calls and puts, which is just the, the two basic, you know, styles, I guess. Mm-hmm. I would think that most people trade spreads, you know, for the most part on the retail side. Institutions, though, they're going to be, you know, just single leg options depending on, you know, whatever they're trying to do. If they're trying to hedge a port, you know, position or if they're trying to, you know, add some risk to their portfolio and take a really, you know, long bet, something like that. They might do that just single leg options. But um, I think most of the retail traders like me and you would trade spreads. Okay. And so I, there's all different types of reasons that one might want to trade an option. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that the two primary ones would be either wealth preservation and or hedging, and then also generating income and trying to do this, either generating either a, a, an additional income stream or doing it full time and generate, making it your, your primary income stream. Is that kind of the, the two major ones? You know, I think honestly, people get into it mostly for speculation, right? Like whether they consciously say it or they subconsciously believe it. It's like, I honestly believe that a lot of people get into it because they think it's going to make them rich overnight, right? And we and we know that, you know, well, obviously you could just have a lottery ticket that wins really big, but is that going to really, you know, consistently happen? Probably not, right? So I think people get into it mostly for speculation. I think people, what they ultimately want, like deep down inside, they want income and consistency, which, which I think is where it's definitely where I am. And that's where we found success is, you know, being the income generation thing consistent, you know, your, your slow up, slow downs, you know, like steady curve, et cetera. I think on the institutional side, it's more of a hedging thing, right? More of a hedging and, and sometimes income generation where they will sell covered calls and covered puts and things like that. So um, I think the retail side, though, is, is speculation and, and income mostly. All right. Well, I want to focus a little bit of time on people that can do this full-time and have the ability of learned how to do it full-time touched on that a little bit earlier in this episode. So, so many of our listeners are like looking for a way to do investing full-time to take their passive income, reinvest it or to learn a new skill. So for the people that are trading options full-time, is there generally a, is there a kind of a common you know, strategy in terms of which type of options they're buying and selling. Do most people that are doing it full time to support themselves, retail investors? Do they all generally follow a similar strategy, or is it really run the gamut of all types of different option trading? Well, so I'll tell you this: I've seen guys who have tried to, and and look, I've been doing this almost ten years, right? So I've seen a lot of people, you know, like with their strategies, and I've I've worked with hedge funds, I've worked with you know, billionaire investing funds. Like I've worked with all these types of people. I can tell you that I've seen the people who try a long uh, strategy approach, right? Like a long option buying strategy approach where they buy cheap options and almost like lottery tickets. They're not exactly lottery tickets, but the hope is that these, you know, cheap investments pay out big. And sometimes they do, but they come in really big waves, right? So it's either a huge payday, but then followed by a huge period of drawdowns Uh and, you know, just like money going out the door. And so if you can stand, withstand those big waves, maybe that's something you want to do, right? The reality is though, is that I don't think anybody wants to have that, right? Where you have this huge, maybe influx or, you know, huge outflow followed by a huge influx of cash, right? It's just not consistent enough for most people. Yeah. They'll quit before they actually get to that point, right? That's, that's like the college kid living off adrenaline, like, oh, totally I just is. heard about option trading. Let's give this a try. Yeah, it totally is. And so, you know, like one of the things that uh, I think it was back in, I forget what the episode is. Actually, actually, I have it up on my computer, but it was with Todd Tresseter, mm-hmm. um, which I love. Todd. Todd was on our show. I think it was 54 of your guys' podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think he mentioned like briefly, like sequence of returns. And that's what people really don't understand is like, in that scenario, 
yes, you could make it big, but man, you might have to go through like a huge sequence of drawdowns that ultimately pigeonhole you into, you know, like a really deep hole of, you know, uh, drawdown and, and you'll never recover from that. And people don't understand how important your sequence of returns is. So I think that's, well, it's a plug for him and for that show. Right. I think that's a good, show. <laughs> good man. But, um, yeah. So I think that, um, I think most people go on the on the income side of things, so option selling. Um, that's definitely where I focus. I mean, I think numbers wise and math wise, it's it's been proven everywhere. So not just with us and with our research that we've done, but anywhere you look, I mean, there's definitely a volatility edge or volatility premium in the market. And it's no different than insurance. It's no different than like I use the casino analogy mm-hmm. a lot. There's an edge built in, and that edge is only present after you make a lot of transactions, after you make a lot of trades. And uh, so most people that we've coached that have done that most of the guys in our group you know do pretty much short premium positions short volatility um a lot of what i do is straddles strangles iron butterflies iron condors and they're all just basically one and the same they're all you know virtually cousins of each other in the same family of just selling option premium collecting a big premium up front and hoping to buy it back later at a cheaper price or have it expire right and so i think that's really if you if you really want to be in the income generation business of this, that's where you have to be, no doubt. So we had MJ DeMarco on, who's the author of Millionaire Fastlane, about four or five episodes back. And what really got us interested in options is what he said during the episode, which t- caught, caught us totally by surprise. So I was like, you know, what are you investing in now that you, you know, you got your, you had your big exit, you got your best selling book. Uh, what are you investing in? He's like, well, one of the things I do pretty regularly, and it was kind of the same narrative as you. He's like, it only takes me 30 minutes a day or something. He's like, I sell options. And I didn't have any knowledge of what that <laughs> even meant. So I, I couldn't di- dive in deep, unfortunately. But he basically said, he's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a, the way I do it, it's very conservative. It's essentially like selling insurance. And he's like, I'm making, Got you it. know, 5% returns a, a month or, or something, maybe even more than that. But I, unfortunately, I didn't know enough to ask him about that. But what would, what would that mean? What type of option would that be that is quote unquote selling insurance to people? Yeah. And that's so any option contract that you would sell, depending on your price and your strike is, is like selling insurance. You're basically your risk reward that you're trading is, you're taking a, pr- a premium upfront, which is fixed, right? So you can't you can't collect any more than that premium, and the risk is that you'll cover the position if it goes well beyond your strike price, right? So if I were to sell, like, if the stock's trading at $100 and I sell a 105 call option, that means that anything beyond 105, I've got to cover dollar for dollar on the stock, right? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't get to 105, then I keep the entire premium, right? That, that, that person paid me. So if that person is short, you know, stock at 100 and they just want to say like, they want to protect their position if it goes beyond 105, right? So they can hold the risk between 100 and 105. Then they'll buy protection beyond 105 and they'll buy from me. And so I'll self insure them in, in so many ways. I'll ensure that if this position, position goes beyond 105, I'll cover it, right? If it doesn't, then they've paid insurance premiums, right? They've paid a premium to, you know, get coverage, but they didn't need it. They didn't use it. And it's just like insurance in every business. You know, if you pay the premium and you don't use it, you can't come back to the insurance company and say, well, you know, that didn't work out. So <laughs> can I get my premium back? My house right. didn't burn down, right? Um, if you actually read, I don't think not enough people actually read Buffett's 10Ks and 10Qs. Mm-hmm. Buffett's a huge options trader and, and a huge believer in selling premium, you know, volatility, all that stuff. And he talks specifically in a couple sections on 10K, 10Ks and Qs 
um, about why he sells options. And he sells it for this volatility premium, which he relates very much to insurance premiums and how actuaries determine, you know, how much or what the probability of somebody dying is, their house burned down, you know, uh, their car getting wrecked. And then you price in some premium above that level. And that's exactly what happens in the options market is that a premium is priced in above that level. So if you want to generate income, that's the long-term route you have to go. Now, of course, a house is going to burn down. Somebody's going to die, right? Like to use the insurance model, like you're going to have stocks that go really, really far against you. And so you just have to understand that that's part of the business, right? It doesn't mean that the system's broken. It doesn't mean it was a bad trade. It just means that's how the numbers shake out. And so like the, what I teach people is if you want to survive that business, just like you want to survive an insurance business, you have to keep your position sizes like super, super small. Okay. And I see a lot of people go into this thinking that they know it. You know, Airfingers quotes again, like they know what's going on and then they over leverage early on and blow themselves up. And how does it leverage actually work in options? Like a, a typical, is it every single option levered is inherently or do you add le uh, leverage to that? Well, I think you can do it like a couple ways. Like, I mean, obviously every contract controls a hundred shares. So let's say like 99% of them. There's some contracts out there. They started rolling them out. I think a couple of years ago where like one contract controls 150 shares. Then you've got some of these mini contracts out now that are, you know, being rolled out by the exchanges where it controls a smaller number of shares. But generally speaking, one option contract controls a hundred shares or leverages a hundred shares. But the leverage can be done in, in a couple different ways because on a traditional sense, if you're an option buyer, you only pay the premium of the option contracts. So you don't have to put up any other money. So it's like buying insurance, right? When you buy insurance, you just you know pay that premium. You don't have to put up any more than that. Mm -hmm. The insurance company, on the other hand, has got to have capital to cover your loss, basically. And in the options market, most of the time it's called margin, right? Depending on your account and stuff like that. But you mm -hmm. got to put up margin if you're an option seller. So if I collect $100 in premium, I might have to put up in margin a thousand bucks or, you know, 1500 bucks, like depending on the stock and how likely it is that I'm going to lose money or whatever the case is. So they require that you put that money up front and hold it in margin so that, you know, you can cover any losses from that contract. So I think that's where people get really, um, you know, like pigeonholed is they, they put up way too much money in margin per position, right? Mm -hmm. They really like go aggressively into a position. And then something bad happens because it inevitably will, and then they have to, you know, basically cover this big loss. But some of that can be mitigated, though. I, I think the thing is that that's single naked options. When you trade spreads, you know, I might like to use our example before, and hopefully people are following along on this. So I apologize. <laughs> not. You can go back and rewind and listen that's to it right. again. That's right. We love those episodes. If, we listen to it four yeah. times in a week and still writing down right, notes. Exactly. <laughs> So like to use our, our example before, if you have a stock that's trading $100, if I sell the 105 call, right, maybe I if I just sell the 105 call for, let's say I take in a premium of 100 bucks just to make it easy, right? If I do that, maybe I've got to put up margin of $1,000. Well, maybe I don't want to put up margin of $1,000. So I go out in the market, I take some of my $100 premium and I buy a 107 call option, right? So now I'm an option buyer to somebody else who's selling the 107. But my goal in doing that is not to speculate on the stock going above 107. It's that so my margin is capped at maybe 200 bucks, right? So now my margin's capped at the difference between the strike prices. So that's like one way. I know it's like hopefully not too complicated for people to follow along now. And obviously we've got free training and stuff you can watch, but that's the way that you can use spreads to kind of control your risk. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, th I think that's why people like using spreads is they can do a combination like this and determine before anything happens, like how much they're really willing to lose. 
and how much premium they want to take in. So if one other person had mentioned to me when I started talking about options, and I, I'm not sure the terminology of the option, I think it was selling a put, but he said mm-hmm. he equated it to, it's like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. Does that sound like it's selling puts or maybe something else? And I don't even yeah, know where I that comes that. from. If it's like, honestly, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I would always challenge people to be, you know, to like show me the data and research mm-hmm. that shows that consistently doing that is like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller. It's mm-hmm. a common saying, and I hear it all the time. But look, the reality is, is that we've done so much research on this. So we built a, a software and and technology that basically has the ability and has already done 21 million back tested strategies, right? Mm-hmm. So like we've got as much data as you could possibly imagine. That's why hedge funds and financial institutions come to us because we have data on all this stuff and we can run a lot of, you know, scenarios. And the reality is, is that if you like even a put selling strategy outperforms the market. And that's not just something I'm saying. I'm saying check the CBOE, the NASDAQ, check all these different sources, Harvard studies, Stanford studies. You'll see that like even in that case, a put selling strategy can outperform the market with less volatility. Mm -hmm. So do I think that you are collecting small premiums and one day you might have a big drawdown of course but it never overshadows the small premiums so what is the steamroller in that scenario is that you you have to cover an option and the market's the market's tanking yeah that's a market tanking and your short put option right so let's say you're selling a short put and you collect a hundred dollars every month right Mm -hmm. you might have one month where you lose 1200 bucks Right. And that's what people think. They're like, oh, one month is going to wipe me out. But it's really not in the long term, like in the long scheme of things. Right. It's not going to knock you out. But you, mm-hmm. you've got to have the, um, you know, the consistency and persistence to keep going with it because that's what it is. So it's like an insurance company selling insurance on 10 houses and one house burns down the first month. Right. Does that mean that the insurance business is broken? No, it just means that they had a bad, you know, like that house burned down. Like that's going to happen. It just happened early in the cycle, right? So you got to deal with it. You got to still keep, you know, you got to keep selling insurance basically. Gotcha. And is there more volume typically with lower priced stocks and or options versus something like Amazon that be massively expensive to cover a hundred shares? Yeah. So I, I think it, I think it depends on the security. I think like in that example, cause that's a good example, you could probably have the same volume in something that's a $20 ETF as in Amazon and Google, which are multi hundred dollar stocks okay. because they're very okay. popular. And that's honestly why some of these exchanges have come out with these mini options with, I think, I think it's like, I like the concept. I think it's bogus because they don't charge a mini commission. They charge like the same commission for yeah. these options, even though they're much cheaper. But, um, but yeah, that's why they've come out with these mini options because then people can get into them with less uh, capital. But Amazon's and the price lines, the Tesla's, the Google's of the world, uh, all very, very liquid, lots of, you know, volume, lots of activity, even though they're higher priced. So I, I don't think it matters that much. Cool. So I was trying to like kind of get my own head around what it would take for someone to do this full time. And let's just say full time is, let's just say it's $6,000 a month of income. And right. there's so many different variables, I'm sure, and so many different ways you could approach it to try to get that type of income. But I'll just share from my own experience because I was trying to place my first option trade two not two days ago uh, via E-Trade, which I know you're not a big fan of. I want to hear more about that. But um, <laughs> I, I had to I had to apply to get an options upgrade to be able to do it. But what it was mm-hmm. was I own Tesla stock and I'm interested in buying more Tesla stock. So it was just trading at like three. 12, I think it maybe got down to 308. And there was an option, I think it was, it's called selling a put where I could buy, like I could buy that. And the, the premium was somewhere around $1,400. Uh, and right. the strike price would have been $300, which I'm more than happy to buy 
more Tesla. Buy stock. Yeah, more stock at. Right. So I'm like, oh, this is win-win. It's almost like, you know, the, I'm getting paid $1,400 if I don't get it. And if I do get it, it's at a price that I'm really happy about and long-term anyways. Right. So I was super, super excited to, to put in that. And essentially, if that's $1,400 on the premium, you do, if you were to place three or four, uh, options trades, uh, in a month and you could collect a premium on all of them, that's, that's six grand right there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and, and that's the thing, right? It's like the margin that's required to cover that position is probably not 1500 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. So as long as you have the margin to cover that position, then yeah, you could do, you know, pretty well. So I know like one of the coaching clients that I have is, is a lady who, um, who got a huge inheritance, right? Like she just like fell into a bunch of money and had no clue what to do. And I've been coaching with her now for like over two years, right? Mm-hmm. And she's trading about 3 million and last month she did 80,000. Now I think that that's probably high to, to be honest. Like her, like she made like, 80,000. 80, she made 80,000 oh, trading options. She's a boss, big boss. <laughs> and she knows nothing. And she knows like, she knows nothing about, not like, I mean, she knows now, but like coming into this, and I think that's the best when she like, she had no preconceived notions of the market. She had no preconceived notions of, you know, how to invest or how to not invest. Now, look, honestly, I think like 80,000 a month is probably a high run rate for her, right? Mm-hmm. So I even told her then like, hey, you had a really good month, right? Like you'll probably have, you know, like some sort of drawdown along the way. It's just, it's just mathematically like there. It's, it's going to happen. Like statistically it's possible. And so I think maybe, you know, 50, 60,000, maybe a, you know, a better range for her to settle into, but like to give you a range of where you could be, that's where you could be. So use your like money of like $6,000 a month. I think you have to have like somewhere between, you know, like four and a half or five, you know, four and a half to uh, $500,000. Like, I think that that's a, a realistic target of, of what you should honestly have if you want to generate that income. Okay. I don't think it's a $30,000 account that can generate $6,000 a month. It's totally unrealistic, not sustainable. You can't handle drawdowns. You can't handle the longevity of it. And honestly, I hate that people are out there like spouting that. Like that's unrealistic to think you can do that with, okay. you know, 40 or $50,000. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. So it's not, a, it's not an exact correlation to how much cap cash and capital you have. But there is the the more that you have in the that you're trading, the more earnings potential that you have. So in, in your example, no the lady three million, she's generating eighty thousand. If you had five hundred thousand, you could realistically look at making six thousand and kind of you know some range in between there as you go up or down in yeah. terms of cash. And I think the thing is, is that when you have more capital, you you actually you'll be more conservative with your capital, which you should be anyway. But when you have more capital to invest. You can just handle the the um, larger returns because you can handle the fluctuations in the account. When you've got a smaller account, like I tell people with a smaller account, like shoot for like ten percent, you know, like on the high end, right? Maybe even five percent initially, because you don't want to blow up your account. You want that that sequence of returns to be very steady early on because of, of you know a twenty percent drawdown with ten grand, like that could kill you for a couple of years, yeah. right? And so with a larger account, you can, you can kind of handle, you know, $20,000 loss on your way to, you know, doing, you know, 15, 18%, something like that. When you say five or 10%, do you mean yearly or a monthly? I'm talking like yearly. Okay, cool. I'm talking okay. slow and steady. Right, good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm like, oh man, 10% a month. Uh, now I'm going to start tr- yeah. doing all my realistic. stuff different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't think it's realistic. I, I think too many people are spouting, you know, stuff about that. And like, if I'm the first person that's ever come on shows and talk about that and, you know, get people back down to the ground, but 
you know, I think a realistic expectation when you start really scaling your account is like somewhere between 15 and 20% a year that that's where, you know, you should live. Like mm-hmm. I live in the 18%, you know, range. That's where I've been for about 10 years. So I think that, you know, that's the range you should live in. I know you can shoot higher. So I'm not, not like discounting that you can go higher than that. But again, the question that people really have to ask themselves is, can they stand the ebbs and flows that come with, you know, a 30% return a year? Because you may have a 40%, you know, 30% drawdown on your way to getting, you know, there. And can you still trade after that? And yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think most people can do that. Okay. So is, is this lady that's made 80,000 a month off 3 million, is that kind of the most of an individual that you've heard making in a month or have you heard of, of bigger and crazier I mean, stories? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I worked with a with a billionaire hedge fund um, in New York. I mean, they did much more than that, obviously, mm-hmm. but they did a lot of index stuff, and they had to, you know, go out in the private market and do some more stuff that wasn't public market. So obviously, I've heard of you know companies doing more than that. From an individual side, I think she's probably one of the better ones that I've heard for okay. sure. So I invest in a managed forex uh, fund, if you will. Is that is there? Mm-hmm. The opportunity to do that in options, like I mean, if you're aiming for eighteen percent, can you? But you're not interested in actually trading the options yourself. Are there funds out there that you can get in that that have exposure to this? Yeah, there's a couple uh, funds out there. I don't know who still does them. I don't follow that space, you know, too often. But I know there's some out there because I know we've had clients that have either a gone into it or b pulled money out of it and they try to trade by themselves. So they're yeah. definitely out there. I think they're more for the accredited investor side. So I think it'd be the only thing that people have to be cautious of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're absolutely out there. Cool. So you mentioned that you're spending about 30 minutes in the morning, maybe maybe an hour and a half a day doing this trading. What, how many trades is that, uh, would you put in say a week or every single month? Yeah. I mean, I try to get on as many as possible, right? I mean, that's realistic. Like I try, I try to get on as many as possible, but the markets don't always cooperate with what I want. So like yesterday we did five trades, we did two opening and we did three closing trades. Is that a typical day? Probably about, about typical day. You know, sometimes we, you know, we'll have 10 trades in a day. Sometimes we won't trade at all. And, and I think it just depends on the, you know, the season, the volatility. It depends on, um, you know, where I'm at. Like last week I was traveling in Denver and hiking in, you know, the Rocky mountains. So me and my wife were out there and, you know, like I didn't have a chance to trade for two days and that's okay. Right. And so, um, you know, I kind of have to make more trades now and, you know, kind of, catch up a little bit. This should be the fun part, but I'm very curious as to what type of software is available to kind of optimize this type of trading because it would seem like like you mentioned you were originally doing stuff in Excel and stuff, but there has to be so much software that can really help automate and, and put a systematic approach to this. Yeah, so I think well like I'm like licking my lips here and chops because we built a software to do this yeah. and it took us two and a half years to do. Um so I'm not like I say this to plug our software for sure, so a full disclosure, but also to say that I've looked for many, many years for something that does what we built. And so um I think there's obviously, you know, the broker platforms now are are catching up very quickly to like most technology. I think the options industry is still very far behind, you know, like traditional, you know, fintech and, you know, the whole technology wave that we've gone through. So brokers aren't catching, they're not rushing to catch up with it, but they're doing a, a good job of it. And so most broker platforms are pretty good. Like E-Trade, okay, it is what it is, right? I think you could probably <laughs> find something better. But um, there's no real technology out there for the retail trader to be able to like backtest strategies quickly, optimize their trades, like, you know, run them through millions of scenarios and and forecast there's no real stuff out there to do that. Now, do you need that stuff? Not necessarily, right? Would it help? Like 
could it take your, you know, a 15% return and turn it into a 19% or could it increase your win rate from 60% to 72%? Yeah, for sure. And that's why we built it. So, you know, we built a technology that allows you to optimize trades like on the fly, back test in seconds, you know, to really see like if the trade that you're going to put on works or not. And I, I think that that's, that's something I've wanted for a long time. And now we have the ability to do that. I know that other people want it. So, Again, it's not something that's needed. It's not re- necessarily re- required. But if you're the type of person that you want to see some numbers before you put money at risk, then um, I think there's some good stuff out oh, there. Now man. we're that's so not, cool. the, not the only one out there that does it, but I can tell you this: like I run Option Alpha as more of like a crowdsourced platform, meaning you know, like we obviously can generate you know income from our membership and from our software. But I pretty much run everything like very close to cost because I believe in, you know, like giving a ton of value and eventually it all coming back to me. So there are other technologies out there that I think are way subpar compared to what we built. Mm -hmm. And it's ridiculous how much you have to pay per month versus our software is just like a one time fee and you're in for life. Right. And I I think that there's something to be said about that. So. So what's like the the most simple example of how the the software would work for someone like me who's never placed an option trade before can i essentially get in there and say okay i want to make this this i want to sell this put on tesla and it's i plug in a couple of variables and it tells me what the the win percentage would be yeah 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 so we have so there's two parts to what we built we built a back tester so you can go in there you can choose your strategy that you want to trade choose all the variables you know delta strike with per allocation in your portfolio stop loss level profit taking level i mean everything like how often you trade are you trading daily are you trading monthly are you trading you know sequentially which just means one by one like how are you trading even you know at that level and so and i think that that's where like nobody in this industry has does, done that type of analysis and like given you tools to do that. And that's what took us a long time to build in. But then you can literally run a back test and immediately see what the results would be. And so you can change one you know, trigger or one entry and say, okay, well, if I'm not going to trade weekly, so like once a week, what if I trade once a day? Like how does that change the outcome of this strategy that I built? And so in two clicks, you can then rerun the whole scenario and see like, oh, okay, well, I would have made more money or would have made less money or here's what my win rate would have been. Here's what my you know, my Kager would have been my sharp ratio. That type of stuff is like wicked analysis that we can do. The next part of that is then trade optimization. So what I wanted to know though, is I said, okay, all that backtesting stuff is cool, but like, let's look forward. So if we were to run, like if I was looking at a scenario right now and let's say I'm bullish on a stock and I plug in, you know, how many days till expiration the option contract is. And I plug in where implied volatility is. And I plug in what type of account I have. I want to know just like what is the best strategy for me to trade right now? Like I can run a bunch of back tests, but I want to know at this exact moment in time at with this current market condition, what is the best trade that I should put on? And so we built technology to give you that ability to do that. So you can plug in the market data, you know, like days until expiration, volatility, if you're bullish, bearish, what type of account you have, and then you hit optimize and it gives you a list of like the 10 strategies that are best for millions of scenarios that it like ran in the background. Like forward casting everything and saying, okay, this should generally work going forward in the future or this strategy should work. And it tells you exactly how to set it up. It's literally dummy proof. I mean, it, it really is like, that's what it's meant to be. And um, awesome. does that make sense? Yeah, that is awesome, man. It's wicked. That it is. is so I, like, cool. I, get, I get giddy about it. And I've yeah. been like working on this for two and a half years now. So yeah, I like love it. Cause I go in and I just say, okay, this is the market scenario. Boom. And it tells me like, you know, it gives me a list of 10 cause I don't want to give everyone one. 
There may be win rates that you favor more than others. You may care about you know return versus sharp ratio. You may care about drawdowns versus somebody else may not. So we give you a list of the top 10, but then from there, it's you just set it up and enter it. Now, the next logical step in this, because I'm sure people are thinking this, is like, how do I automate that? And so right. we're working on doing that with brokers, but you know, like that's the next step is just to have it completely automated. Wow. So if talking about win rate, if you're a casino, you pretty much need to, the house needs to be, I don't know what, what the house is. It's somewhere around like low fifties, like 52% yeah. or 54 or something. What yeah, would you, on the game. Yeah. yeah. What would you, what would your win rate preference be when you make a trade? Is it, is it always fluctuate or is it, is there typically like a, a percentage that you try to aim for? Yeah. Yeah. I park myself in like the seventies range. Oh, nice. So I, I try to enter trades. Actually, I enter trades with statistically what looks like a lower win rate than that. Cause you can calculate that right from the start. But you know, one of the things that you would learn with volatility and, you know, like this option premium model is that the initial probability of success, if you let that trade play out over time, you'll actually end up winning more than the initial probability suggests. So if you enter a trade at like a 65 win rate, you let that trade actually play out over time, you'll win at 70% or some margin above that. And that's the volatility premium that's baked into the market. And so I place a lot of my trades just shy of 70 and I try to aim for about 70 you know, percent chance of success on trades. And that, that's where I want to be. I think if you go higher than that, because I know the question that people always ask is like, well, Kirk, if you can aim for whatever you want, like, why don't you go higher? Why don't you go 90, 95% chance of success? Because the higher you go, the less premium you collect, yeah. right? So it's only a balancing act that you, you know, you don't want to be too close, right? Like it's, you know, it's warm water. You don't want to be too hot. You don't want to be too cold. And so you go further out, you'll have a higher chance of success, higher probability of success, not as many drawdowns, but you're collecting a lot less premium at those further out strikes. And so you definitely want to find that good balance. Super, super cool stuff. And now most of the people that are doing this full time, do they, are they involved in some type of syndicate and or I'm sure forums, but do they kind of like, is there like a leader and they're like, okay, let's all make this trade. looks good. Or is a lot of it just independent? I think honestly, a lot of people do it independent. I mean, like my goal, honestly, with option alpha is to teach people how to fish. Like I tell people and I, I, I almost kick people out after 12 months of the program. If they're in and they hit the 12 month mark and they're still a member, they get an email that's like, what's wrong? You know, like either like one thing is happening, like either we're not doing a good job or you're not like applying yourself, right? Because at that point you should be doing this by yourself. Like it's not, again, it's not that complicated to do on your own. You just have to have the consistency and persistence to do it, you know, every day, every month. So I think a lot of people actually do it by themselves. Do they get influence from other people? No doubt. Right. And, and so do I, like I've got, you know, basically 60,000 members that help me with trade suggestions, right? right? Like every day I get, you know, a couple hundred people like, Oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. Right. And I don't take them all, but some of them I'm like, Oh, you know what? That is a good trade. Let's put, you know, let, let's get that trade on. Right. So, um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think most people though, if you're trading by yourself, you've got a good rhythm and framework down. You just kind of go at it by yourself. So one last question on the software. So someone is a total, total novice. You mentioned er earlier that you got to be really willing to commit, you know, three, four, five years to this. Can they, you know, someone just starting out really get in and kind of plug in their preferences and variables if you have the win rate, I imagine that takes a lot of the emotion out of it because you, you know that yep. the stuff's been back tested. And if you have a loss, okay, if you just stick to the strategy, it should pan out over time. Can someone yep. get up to speed pretty easily without knowing all the complex terminology and, and different levels of option trading? Yeah, I think no doubt. I think you can for sure. And we built it 
with that like type of person in mind that, you know, we give you all the information you would need to make a trade, right? Yeah. So it would give you your strikes, your profit taking level, your stop loss level, if, you know, if required, it would give you all of that information. And, and even more so than just win rate, well, a big one that I like harp on is drawdowns. Like we give you like the average drawdown for different scenarios so that you know, like, hey, if I, you know, have a 20% drawdown, that's expected. You know, like it's not, you know, we don't welcome it. Like it's not like, yes, I got my 20% drawdown I was looking for, but at least you know that that could, you know, happen in the future. And so it's just that expectation that I think creates a little bit of confidence. But I think it's definitely something you could do. I, I don't know if I would advise that you just like jump in and start making trades. I think you got to learn a little bit first. But uh, once you understand the terminology and stuff and, and you believe in the system and you believe in the edge, which you can learn more about, obviously, then then I think you just got to get in and make trades because time is not your friend in this business, right? Okay. The longer you can you know, trade and the, the sooner you can get started, it's like compound interest, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, like the sooner you start, the better off you're going to be. So start small and scale from there, right? Because you can do more contracts later, just do one now and learn how the mechanics work, learn how the markets work, and then scale into 100 or 200 contracts, right? That's easy to do. Excellent advice. So Kirk, just a couple questions in the closing. What are some of the best platforms to trade options i know i mentioned e-trade not a huge fan of that neither am i are there any of your <laughs> you have any favorite ones or common ones out there yeah so i'll answer this question because i get it a lot so if you're international and you want to trade u.s markets the best i'll say this airfingers quotes pretty much the only one that can really do it in a decent way is interactive brokers so if you're listening to the show you're international you want to trade u.s markets you got to try interactive brokers now their platform admittedly sucks but their commissions are good <laughs> Uh, but they're the only ones who really do like a broad base of countries and allow you to trade U.S. markets, especially the options market in the U.S. So they're probably the best one in that regard. If you're U.S. or Canada based or, you know, even like U.K., Germany, stuff like that, I think the two better ones out there are Thinkorswim um, from TD Ameritrade and then also uh, Tastyworks, which was uh, the original founders of Thinkorswim spun off and created their own brokerage called Tastyworks. So I would say those two are probably the best ones on the option side. I've, I've done, I've worked with Barron's on doing like the broker survey a couple years ago. And, you know, w the team that we were at with Barron's did like, you know, reviewing all the platforms. I think you just really have to be cognizant of the fact that some brokers and some, you know, like companies, they want to have an options platform just because they want those types of people in their ecosystem, but they really don't care about improving the system, about maintaining the technology or even enhancing the technology. So not to knock on anyone, but, you know, like some of the big ones out there, they really don't care about, you know, the options people. They just want you in the ecosystem so they can sell you their other products. Got it. Something just popped up as you were saying this stuff. And I was thinking, is anyone doing option trading for cryptocurrencies that you know of? I don't. I mean, that would be I hope crazy, it doesn't right? come out. <laughs> I think it would be crazy. Yeah. I hope it doesn't come out, but I'm sure inevitably uh, will because maybe, you know, it's a, it's a Wall Street product type thing that would eventually come out. But yeah, I, I don't know if I would ever, I, I would never probably trade in that, that market. Whoever though. owns a hundred Bitcoins to trade is going to, uh, <laughs> yeah, got a lot I don't of money know, tied up. I was just say with Bitcoin moving 20%, I, I'd love to see the margin that's Jeez. required on an option trade in Bitcoin. So, Kirk, is there anything else that you invest in? I, I know you got, you got your hands full of all this stuff and you're aiming for, for 18% with your option trading personally. Is there anything else that you invest in or interested in investing in? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, my wife and I do a lot of real estate. So we've got 
Um, a pretty decent rental portfolio. Always looking to do more there. Um, my wife's uh, she's a teacher, so she's got a 403b plan, which unfortunately they don't allow me to trade options in. God knows why. Um, they think I'm too risky to do that. Sure. So they only let us do stocks. So I do REITs because I know that business. I was in the REIT business, so you know, like whatever capital we have in her, you know, retirement account, I do a bunch of REITs and just you know collect some dividends and go that way. So. You know, for me, it's really, you know, real estate options. The website obviously generates income now. So that just feeds all the other, you know, like pools of money, I guess. Uh, but the biggest thing is real estate and, and uh, options. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. And for any of the listeners that are interested in starting to pursue option trading, what would you recommend them as a kind of starting point to take a look at material on Option Alpha? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is that everything's free on our side. So if you buy access to software or research, that's always like a one-time cost, obviously. But all of our stuff is free. All of our training's free. It's open. There's no like uh, trial period or anything like that. I think that's the way it should be because I don't need to generate money from that. Like I generate money from trading, so I can give away all of our content and training for free. So if you want to learn more about it, we've got tons of courses, tons of live videos that I've done doing it, you know, hundreds of case study. I mean, like there's so much content on there. I sometimes get lost in it, right? But it's good to know that it's all there and you can search it and go through, you know, the courses and the modules and tracks, but just check it out and it's all free. Oh man, Kirk, this has been a wonderful introduction to option trading. It's obviously a very complex category and I know we're just scratching the surface, but really want to thank you for coming on and sharing this stuff. Super interesting, amazing to hear what you guys are building and I'm dying to place my first option trade. I just got to get it back on the phone with E-Trade so they can approve me pain in the ass yeah. but uh i, I guess that's what tell, it is me, yeah let me know i've got we've got you know tricks on how to get higher approval levels so if you run into issues let me know i'm just going for level one right now <laughs> we'll see I, i'm definitely going to call you before i make a level three or level four trade because i'll probably yep. get burned get excited one night and after a glass of scotch gets, and try to yeah, try to do one anxious. But yeah exactly yep, anxious. cool man well thanks again for coming on good luck with all your pursuits and um we'll be sure to share all of your material with the listeners who I'm, I'm sure are, are very keen to check it all out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and super humbled to be here. I realized I had no idea what options were until <laughs> just now. Are you more confused with options now or are you more intelligent with options now? I think I understand a little bit more kind of what the baseline is, but it definitely in terms of terms and how much there is to learn, I'm definitely more confused. It's intimidating, right? Yeah. And I I, can, I also like the idea that there are some really good use cases for it, that it's not just gambling your money. If anything, it seems a lot less risky than just buying in, in individual stocks, especially if you're doing it with a system. So I talked to a few guys over in Asia when I was kind of preparing for this episode with Kirk. Man, this I've sat down for six hours, eight hours, 10 hours, multiple different d days kind of learning about options. And it's, you know, the, the guys that are doing it, a lot of these guys are doing it for supplemental income. A couple of them are doing it full time. But they're, you know, they basically said, like, you have to be careful because the people on the other side of these option trades are using really sophisticated software like Kirk's created. Uh, you know, MIT groups, things, people that have really got this stuff down to a science. I started digging into this, man. I, it's fun, Johnny. It's, it's really fun. Like, I think this could be something that you really enjoy doing, you know, 15, 20 minutes every single week and make a couple of trades. You know, I actually thought about that. I think when I, when I listened to the episode, I was like, you know what? Let me check out his course and let me just kind of, you know, get my, get the, my, my bearings in. And 
So first off, his course is, is really cool. It's it's just an opt-in, so it's free. There are some paid areas in it if you want to join the forum, if you want to use the software and things like that. But there's a lot of free training on there, so that's cool. The downside to it for me personally is it is over my head. Like It, it is something mm-hmm. that I think that if I really dedicated – and he even says it. You know, he, I think he says something like, study this 30 minutes a day for X amount of months or something, and you'll, you'll be good at it. I don't think I want to study anything for – X amount of months anymore. Um, <laughs> I think, and, and as far as investing, I, I think I'm, I'm much more of a passive investor. I can see people uh-huh. enjoying this. I can see people that like the math, that like stats, uh, and not even crazy math. I, I think you know that's something that he brought up. That was that was a good point where you don't have to know you know advanced calculus or anything. But this is something that I feel like I would I would not dedicate to the learning enough to to play it safe. Yeah, I agree. It's, I could see people like MJ DeMarco getting into wealth. Maybe you're kind of coming into your 40s or 50s and you want to do a supplemental income, which seems like MJ DeMarco is doing and a lot of other people I know not, not putting that much time into it. Maybe they have a, a certain strategy that's fitting. What kind of really piqued my interest with this stuff with talking to Kirk is the software and how much of the stuff that you might be able to automate. Kind of like when you go into a casino and you're playing blackjack. You know if you play blackjack, long enough and you play by the book your odds are maybe you know 48 percent of winning or something like that like the house is favored but you know that your you know your percentage of winning your chance of winning is kind of going to even out and balance out over time i think if you have stuff like this that can kind of automate a lot of it and you have a specific strategy that you like maybe like selling puts which is is most interesting to me then it makes sense to do like for instance tesla I, i sold a put on I'm always looking to buy Tesla stock cheaper, right? I know you're always looking to buy like VTI cheaper, right? Like you're putting in limit orders for VTI a lot. Yeah. So kind of similar with me and Tesla, only that with Tesla, Tesla's trading at let's say 330. To buy 100 shares, that that's going to cost you 33 grand. But I'm happy to buy it, you know, at a 10 or 15% discount. And when I when I put in my uh it's called selling a put when I when I put that order in, I made a grand. So it's almost like if if the market tanks and Tesla goes down or Tesla's tanks, I pick up Tesla kind of where I want to pick it up. And if it doesn't and Tesla stock goes up, I make a grand. I make a grand the day that I traded it, which is – I mean that's a good chunk of change. Yeah, I think in your specific case, I, I could definitely see that being a smart thing to do. I wonder how that would work with me buying index funds. So like let's say I wanted to do the same thing with you know, 100 shares of ETI. That's the thing I'd be curious about if anyone knows – Exactly how that would work. Please comment in the boss lounge. You can break break that down. Ching ching ching. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Did somebody write that down or? No, no. I I pulled it up literally because I thought it might interest you. Oh. Um, so I was hoping it would be more than it is because then I think it would really interest you. But VTI right now is at 120, 126. So if you sold a put on this for let's say August which is little three weeks, and you had the strike price at 120, which means Okay, Jai is happy to buy this at 120. If it goes anywhere below 120 by August on, on August 18th, you're going to buy it at 120. If you put that order in right now, it doesn't cost you anything. You're going to collect, unfortunately, only thirty dollars. If you put in at today's price 126, you would collect you'd collect fifty five dollars, which is it's nothing compared to the Tesla example. And, and for how many shares is that for? That's a hundred shares. So you would have to buy. That would cost you twelve grand, basically. Yeah, you know what? 
I like the idea of that free money. That if I was gonna buy twelve grand worth of it anyways, I'm, I might as well do it. But I think the the benefit, like the monetary benefit of it, is so small that it's it's definitely not even worth my time trying to turn on all this and figure it out. Yeah, I wonder if if a, like a, a VTI, which is so diversified over so many stocks, must have a, a lower payout because it's much more robust than a, te- a stock like Tesla, which could potentially you know go bankrupt next year somehow, some way, right? But whereas VTI is not going to go bankrupt, you might have a drawdown, but over the course of the next 10 years, you're almost guaranteed to have that go up, right? Yeah, definitely. I would also imagine that, you know, people who buy like options, they're not trying to follow the whole stock market. You know, I, I guess there are some people that bet on the whole market, but then it's like a smaller risks, you know, smaller benefit versus an individual stock could have big swings, which means big potential money for them to make, but also big p- potential profit for you. So it's it's pretty interesting, man. When you start talking about options, there's a lot of people that have created options before. Uh, like I even like called my dad, and he's my dad. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do much trading, but he's traded options before. A lot of people that I've talked to have traded, kind of like me, have traded three options the last week. They've traded a few options. Uh, so I think a lot of people have like a little bit of knowledge about options trading, but not not anywhere like in the the full time strategy realm. But it's it's definitely an interesting topic, man. It's uh. It's really opened my eyes, and this is going to open conversation for us for for so many you know future run-ins. Definitely, I definitely agree with that. And it is cool knowing that there is an option for a you know I'll say almost like a, a part-time income stream or maybe even a full-time income stream. If, if this is something that people look at, and they're like, you know, this interests me. This is something I can do. Uh, for sure, for sure. Well, I'm. You know what I was thinking? We should have an episode like this. But back with the FX boys at RFFX, Brian and Tang, we're really kind of dive into, I think the last episode we covered kind of putting money with them and how they manage the account. But I'd be curious what more people are doing, option trading full-time or FX trading full-time, and what maybe the success rate of people doing those full-time is. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting because I think there's a lot of listeners that, you know, Either they have a normal job, maybe they, they sold a business, or they just had some savings that they want to invest. And like me, you know, because we've had on so many interesting guests and different platforms, now all of our money is invested. So now we need to make more money <laughs> and figure it out. So true, man. So true. Getting too excited about too many things. And uh, I, I, it's been a, a funny to uh, quarter two, because I think all the beginning of the year, you and I were both kind of like, eh, we've got a lot of money invested. Let's, you know, let's, let's stay on, stay at this level and, and see what else comes around, but we're not planning on investing a lot. And I know like, <laughs> I keep putting more money into more things and creating more headaches, but this stuff's all too damn interesting. Yeah. And I also just feel bad having cash in the bank. So I think I'm at a point now where I, I'm going to have to let it sit because I don't have that big of a buffer anymore just in case, um, you know, I, I need it for anything. But things like this, it does interest me. And I watched a couple of the modules just because I, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to see what his, his course is like. So if you guys are interested, definitely check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. It's really well made. It's optionalpha.com. Yeah. I'm just checking out. Okay. So I was looking to see if the opposite, if you sold your VTI, if you're willing to sell, there's, it's not, there's no money to be made in that basically. So. Check it out, guys. If uh, if anyone else has a lot of option experience, been very surprised in the ball sound how many people have been talking about options, giving really good advice, sound advice. So obviously, a lot of people know about their options. Let's chat it up. Uh, great to also hear again from MJ DeMarco, kind of opened our eyes to this type of stuff. 
really cool to hear people that have not come from a finance background that have made it, you know, through hustle and hard work and then becoming an author, then figuring out how to sell options. So the knowledge is out there for just about anyone to do it. If you had selling options part time, please let us know. We want to hear your story. I love it. Uh, also, I want to give a quick thank you to everyone who's been leaving all these great reviews of the podcast. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I'm glad you guys are sharing it with everyone, with your friends, your family, on your uh, Facebook walls. Uh, this week, I want to acknowledge Trader CC. Uh, he says, really unique, five stars. I really enjoy this podcast and the different asset classes. Sam Marks is a really great interviewer. And I agree. So thanks, Sam. want to acknowledge you as well for being such a good interviewer every single week. That is the first compliment any person has ever left me in the review box. So if that person happens to be in the same city as I am, they can have their choice of a flat white latte or a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc. No, it's not Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc. Cabernet Sauvignon at the end of the day. I like it. Or you, maybe you even mix a <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon and a Blanc together. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Very cool. All right. And a big thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks. Uh, if you guys have an online business, if you're a freelancer, or if you need to collect invoices, go to freshbooks.com slash invest like a boss. And in the how you heard about us section, please put invest like a boss podcast to give us credit for sending you over. And thanks a lot. See all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.